Hi, good evening. I'm Jim. I'm Bob. And we're at Jim Bob Cast. This week, episode five, Arsenal, the real villains. Before we get to that absolute pantomime, let's start with Arsenal versus Moldy. Ah, yes, the Norwegian Molder, uh, or Moldy, depends how you pronounce it, a former place of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He managed them to some great results back in the day. So we played against them last Thursday in the Europa League, which I'm now claiming as our only chance to get into Europe this next season. Hmm. It was a good game. Uh, it started um, flat, as all our games have this season, bar the Fulham game, which seems like a fucking eternity away. And what I like a lot about the team on Thursday, I want to see um, the team that plays Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or anything related to English opposition. I'm starting to really enjoy watching Joe Willock play. He looks like an Arsenal player that's been around for two decades. You know, he the, is. The, the, the number eight that goes beyond the number nine. He's breaking through the lines. He's shown lots of attacking guard. He's scoring goals as well. He's just splitting the transition up and he's breaking the lines. He's, he's breaking the two banks of four and allowing players to get into the pocket. I, th- I think they are playing with so much more pace in attack than what the... <laughs> what, you could, what you could class yeah. them as the first team's doing. You know, they really have that old... You know, it's, they're very much the old Arsenal style of attack. <laughs> Remember, like the Wilshire goal against Norwich with oh. the old back heels and the flicks. You know, that that pornography yes. of a goal. Yeah, I think that is on Pornhub, that it, it is on Pornhub. Pornhub! Did you see the US election last week We're on CNN? <laughs> there they are, John King, who is a doyen yes, of election. He is a uh, legend. Uh, he's like the Jim White of transfer deadline. Oh lane, yeah, though. he's there. He's there at the magic monitor, as they call it. <laughs> and as he's talking, on the top of it, Pornhub comes in the top, and yeah, he and just, just flicks it up nonchalantly. Just flicks yes. it. So there he was, Pornhub. Obviously, other porn sites are available for those that want to stream it out there. But yeah, this Pornhub coming in, he flicks it yeah. anyway. Back to that goal. That was something that the team on a Thursday, I think, can pull off. The team on a Friday, uh, sorry, a Sunday, by the way, at the moment, they probably couldn't pull themselves off. Back to That's back to Pornhub there, of course. <laughs> you know, they. the thing is, the team on the Thursday, right, they trust the defence to do the defending. They, they can't have the same sort of research that they can do against um, English opposition just because there's so much more data available, I think, in the way in which... They can peruse up and down the country and get people into games and such like. And just just knowing the game here the way you know it. So what you mean to say, let me get this one straight, is that you think they set up to just go out there and play their game, trusting it to beat the opposition? Well, I think the players who are playing in the team are a combination of fringe players and young players and the young players have still got that element of rawness about them. The week previous against Dundalk, Nelson was just literally on the gas, wasn't he? He was through the middle, breaking through the middle, out wide. They were trying to penetrate. Uh, it's like a carry-on film, isn't it? <laughs> carry-on podcast with Jim and Bob. Oh, matron. But I see, you know, you're absolutely right. They're running at them. They're, they're frightening the defenders. But they're just getting chances. You know, Eddie is a bit of a fox in the box. He's still raw. He can't play with his back to goal quite as well as he as he needs to do, but he's young. So he's, he's folding off the shoulder. But he's getting opportunities to scramble goals in. This goal this week was a perfect example of a a real striker's goal. Lacazette, Aubameyang, the other guys, they're nowhere near scoring goals like that where we just fiddle one in. 
Yeah, you know, Pepe's goal, touch of class. I, I was gutted that he started the game. I thought it was great because he's shown again that if you play him, like, every 150 minutes, he's going to deliver. He's going to contribute. Do you think the own goal sugarcoated it somewhat? I mean, they were own goals where they, if you will, if the bloke didn't put it in the back of the net, I think the Arsenal player would have done Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So. I think it was a build-up of retrospective pressure that allowed, you know, a, a fine goal-scoring opportunity to be there. And if the defender can't hustle it into his own net, it's going to come off a mad deflection where you just berate him for, you know, for getting into a position where, you know, he's scored an own goal. But, like, you know, both Arsenal players are behind the... Are behind said player, they're gonna. Yeah. It's gonna be a goal, nonetheless. But we continue to 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 create chances. That I mean, that own goal, the first own goal, which was the equalising goal. Yeah, that front, well, that back to front transition at pace was lightning. It could only ever come up with a goal, and yeah, they yeah. moved the ball so quickly. That was the transition back to front. That is exactly what we want to see from Arsenal. That is something in their heritage that has been there for 20, 30 years. Yes, pace, attacking... Direct. Direct style of football, attractive, enjoyable to watch. Which is exactly what undone us on Villa's third goal Sunday, which I know we'll come to that game, I'm just fucking boiling. I can see you're steaming in your seat. Yeah, my piss is boiling. But But that is exactly the style of football that we wanted to play. Whilst we're on that game, I I was aggrieved that Pepe started because I just knew come... Sunday, he wasn't going to play. No doubt we'll get to why Yeah, he again... He, but he had he, a good game. You, know, you can only play with what's in front of you. This kind of concept where people are saying, well, he's only fucking scoring against Europa League sides. Well, he's, he's not getting picked. He's scoring goals. Yeah. Yeah. None of our... I, I want this to actually be a segment, but we have got to a point with our management, and, and I will probably dig at Arteta quite a bit tonight because uh, I'm fucked off at myself for thinking that football was great again because we beat Man United 1-0 so I'm more annoyed One at myself. swallow doesn't make a summer old bean. No my infamous saying. We have got to a point where we have not one attacking player in our squad the entirety of our squad scholars fringe and first teamers not one attacking player you could say is in form. Yeah. I yeah. cannot for the life of me Remember, in my existence, when I could say that about an Arsenal player. I'd say I'll probably, if you're looking at attackingly-minded players, you'd say that probably our best form player moving forward is, at the moment, Joe Willock. Yeah. You know? You're, you're absolutely right. I think that game was something that, again, we'll move on to Villa, but on pay-per-view and all of that, that, that is a game I would have paid to watch. I sat there that second half enjoying the game yeah I was listening to a brilliant commentary team in Ian Dark and Karen Carney <laughs> you love Karen don't you she is yeah she is offers really good insight I say tongue in cheek here mm. but you know I'm not going to get into that you know there's there's you know Alex Scott's a phenomenal pundit and commentator and uh, <clears throat> offers a lot about football but that wasn't great that part but no I enjoyed Thursday night's game I'm enjoying my Thursday night football yeah uh, it's the only chance I probably get to see Arsenal score goals and be from certainly from open play. You know, I think we'll win that group easily at a canter and the way we've played. I was a, you said about Pepe playing. Yeah, you know we're going to pivot more to the boy Pepe in a minute. Mm-hmm. The boy, the boy Pepe. I tell you what, he is very young Pepe, but I think he really relished that opportunity of almost being the senior man in attack. Looking at the way he plays and we've bought him from Lille, he is someone that is 
designed to play in a side that transitions the ball quickly. He's not designed to play in a side where your number nine defends on the edge of their own box. No, he's not. He's, he's certainly not. I thought, why play Leno? Yeah, that's fucking madness. Like, it was a weird... Th- it, was, it was the start of the shithousery of the week that our fine-haired manager had. And Louise. Well, yeah. him. Louise was a risk. Or was it a good game to ease him back in? Yeah, but he was only injured for a week. I mean, he wasn't... He missed the he missed the Man United game. That was it. Yeah, he had a bit of ice on it. That was it. And then he played against Mulder. And I just... Yeah, I thought Louise was a risk, potentially. Because then he's not played against that's, Villa. Yeah. So... I think that's a problem I've got. The some of the players that they're playing on Thursdays, that them not playing on Sundays, that's causing me some anguish. Well, no, say. no one's been promoted yet, and we've scored nine goals in three games in the Europa League, and we scored ten goals in eight games in the Premier League. That's a mixture of fucking incompetence and also stubbornness. Yeah, and if Jake Humphrey doesn't come out and say it again week after week after week, he's almost goading Messrs Owen Hargreaves, the fan of Burger King, and Martin Keown, the most sartorially dressed man in television yeah, at the moment. BT Sport, home of the turtleneck. But no, I just think he, he's, he's persistently wanting to press on the question, and he is doing that and getting his on-field pitch reporters to do it. They continuously ask Joe Willock, because he's always man of the match, he's brought up in front of the media, and then, then they ask Arteta, what about Willock? What about Willock? Will he get his chance? Will he get his chance? Will he get his chance? And he's and Arteta's batting it off, sort of like a, you know, he's there with his Newbury bat. You know, playing for his school team. You did you have a Newbury bat playing for your school team? I didn't have a Newbury bat. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't the winner of a Newbury. I had a, I played in a school team with a um, a good friend of mine. He's BBC pundit. Well, he's a good friend of mine in school. We don't talk so much now. He's a celebrity, but Greg James. Yes, I went to school with Greg James, and uh, we set a school record for the most hundred partnerships in a season for the school first team. Yes. That's lovely. Yeah, he scored uh, 106, I believe, against St. Joseph's, which uh, the score at the time, you go up on the board and with, with 100, you are presented by the headmaster with a, a Newbury bat. So um, I think Greg scored something like 750, 800 runs a year. I think I got 450, 500 odd. My father bought me a V800, Mark Butcher's bat. Um, oh, the Butch? Yes, uh, as a left-handed, elegant stroke maker, it was uh, it was rather fitting. So anyway, back to... I've only brought that up just to try and make you smile a little bit. No, I'm not going to smile tonight. I'm severely fucked off. I'm angry at myself, I'm angry at life, I'm angry at fucking football. But I will talk to you about my stroke making, which is uh, also in line with Pornhub another time. Shall we move on to Villa? Well, you know, look, just to just to wrap wrap that mouldy one off, you sack her quite well in that game. He continued he looks better playing on the front foot. He just looks like a fine piece of meat from the butcher that you just leave in polystyrene festering when he's played in the Premier League because he's just always on the back foot. And he's looked good in the games that we've that we've had periods of good play in because he's got he's the one who lifts the side. But in that Europa side, I think his stats would be mesmerising. If he was only playing in those games where we're really direct, I really hope the football doesn't change post group stages when he goes into a new opposition. I really hope <coughs> that the guys continue to play in the same way. If they don't, they massively expose the manager. I think that Saka was, he was attacking threat. And one of the things I liked about him, 
and I know this is this is a beef point of mine about the Villa game and previous games. He was coming in from that wing, crossing the ball along the floor, cutting it inside into the opposition penalty area, plays running on it at pace. Yeah. Gonna get a goal doing that. I thought that he came on and was brilliant in that match. I thought he was absolutely... He just looks like he's really enjoying his football playing in that team. Yeah, yeah. and rightfully so. He's in the England squad. I hope yeah. that he'll be I think he'll play this week if if England play. That is, I know there was some. Doubt. Where, will, where will Southgate play Saka? Because I don't think fucking Arteta knows his right position. No, I, I don't. He's, he's 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 used as a he's used as a cheap Swiss Army knife. At no, the he's moment. like a fucking you know a, a younger version of James Milner now. You know, it's just a fucking buffet of football options. A buffet of football. I don't he actually will... know. Do you know what this young lad? Now you know he looks like he has got all the credentials to have like a five hundred plus. Premier League career, you know? Easily. Yeah. And I now don't know what position he plays in. And there's not one Premier League great who you could name who I couldn't tell you their position. And that is a fucking misuse of a player. It is, especially at such a young age when you want them to start developing their skills and becoming a great footballer in that particular position. I don't think we... He is being used in too many positions that you can't even use the argument of a Thierry Henry being moved as a winger inside to centre forward. But he wasn't. He was. His skills were enhanced as a winger to become a goal-scoring winger, which then was like, this is madness. But now it's a position that is has been donned by Messi, Ronaldo, Mane, Hazard, Salah, Hongmin Son, probably one of the most underrated world-class footballers in the world, Son. If you look at him statistically... His records are astounding. But all of them have become goal-scoring wingers or, or inside forwards, my father used to call them. That is exactly what they would be called. Yes. And and you can just say that maybe Henri was one of the original creators of that position. You 100%. Know? But this, this does bring us nicely into the Villa game, right? Because the mistreatment of players and the selection of players is starting to expose the demise of this football team. And Saka not knowing his position... Lacazette being played continually in, I don't fucking know now. I mean, I don't really dislike Lacazette. I think he's, I think he offers a lot to Arsenal. Statistically, we did the numbers last week where he's turning a goal or an assist every 120 minutes, I believe, which is a, which is a more than reasonable return. But when I see my number nine defending on the edge of his own box for large parts of the game and Ollie Watkins looking like a fucking rabbit about to be let out of a hutch, being chased by a couple of hounds on the halfway line. Where where has the fall of this football club come from having a mindset where we'll score more goals than you? Would you like a stat on both of those players? On both those players? Yeah, this okay. is it's the same stat, but we're looking at both of them. Lacazette was only passed to by Arsenal players five times during the time he was on the pitch. Which was how long? 75 minutes? Yeah, five times. Right. Ollie Watkins in the match was passed to 35 times. Fucking Nora. So seven times more. Now, you could say that Lacazette isn't getting himself in the positions. He could fight harder to try and get the ball. You could argue that he's nearer <clears throat> the fucking ball because he's playing deep in his yeah, own half. I watched the uh, the breakdown, uh, Adrian Clark on Arsenal website. It was like... He suggested, and I agree with him, the way that Arsenal plan is isolating the number nine. It's isolating Messrs Lacazette and Ketia 
who are playing at number nine. So I know we will come on to the fact that we want... But it's not on a Thursday, Bob, because Nketiah scored a goal from three yards. I don't think they're playing the same way. No, it's, it's completely different football. It's chalk and it is cheese. In the games that we're playing, we don't look like drawing games, which used to be an issue. You know, in seasons gone by, we've had 10 double-figure draws, and that's that's normally angered the fan base. But very rarely did we ever draw games nil-nil. So we've scored in games, we've just let leads go, or, or, we've, or we've nicked late goals. And now, yeah, we win games or we lose games. Now, we've nicked the game against... We haven't nicked the game against Man United, but the results suggest we did. When we did the stats analysis, it was a more even game than we thought, and a penalty decided it. You know, this, this, this Villa game, we've been let off the hook after 48 seconds, quite rightly so, because, you Definitely know, when you so. get the panoramic view, you know, he is very much blocking the player. But... If you remove that player and McGinn hits the same shot, Leno does not save that. That goes top bin at pace. Like so, McGinn's like running away with his kind of jerky Scottish um, like smug grin because he knows that he he scores. So you think, fuck me, okay, right? I better get my foot off the gas here. And they just continue to be completely mundane. Like it is, it's so far from average that good doesn't even deserve conversation. I mean, we didn't start and we didn't play with anywhere near the intensity. No blood and guts, no sharpness. It, it was a complete contrast to the United game. United game, we were up in their grills from the get-go. Pressure, pressure, pressure. 90-plus minutes of a game. I didn't see that. Yeah, but in that United game, so this is another reason why I'm fucked off at myself, because... In that United game, defensively, it was a Arteta masterclass. He didn't allow them to get in, in on goal properly other than once, which was the Rashford pass across to Greenwood. But he had the same issue creating chances in that game. We didn't break them down. It, we, we didn't get through the lines. We didn't get in at De Gea, you know. <clears throat> we had the header that come across goal uh, and Saka had the opportunity in the first half. But they're fucking more-headed opportunities which grind my fucking gears, all right? They're not putting the ball on the carpet. You mentioned the Wilshire goal earlier. There is That football is fucking so far from North London, it's, it's in fucking Ecuador. So the crosses into the box, these high crosses into the box, oh. when you've got your two number nines that we've played mostly there this season in Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah, so <laughs> Lacazette is 1.76 metres tall and Eddie Nketiah is 1.75. Five foot seven, the pair. <laughs> so they're five foot seven roughly each. Yeah. Do you know what the average height of a central, central defender is in this league? I'm just going to guess it's six foot. Six foot will be the low end of the average. I'm telling you that now. So a player is getting five, five, I think, six I, inches. I, I think you're giving it six inches. That's often the case. On uh, Yeah, back to Pornhub. Um, <laughs> talking of central defenders, though, by the way, uh, in the youth team today in the EFL Trophy, Callum Chambers made a welcome return from injury. Played alongside uh, William Saliba. Both played there. Uh, Arsenal won on penalties in that game. They can probably both play next week. Well, um, they won't play next week, will they? Because Arteta has... He's showing something. I wasn't... I, you know, I, I must admit, I'm very upset about how Arsenal have played. I wasn't in the same level of anger as what James is, but I am starting to get it because it's the stubbornness from Arteta that's starting to peeve me now. He's not wanting to play players 
that should get a chance. I said about this a few weeks ago. Why, if the players you're playing are not performing, why not give a chance to other players? If the worst case scenario is you have a player that doesn't play well, I'm repeating myself here. If the worst case scenario is that you have a player that doesn't play well, then what's the difference replacing another player that's not playing well? There isn't any. Because the player that's week in, week out, not performing in the number nine slot, Lacazette, on the right wing, Willian. Both of those players that lost at sea on Sunday and were very poor. But Lacazette is doing dirty work, which is why I think he's going to persist with him in this position. Because if you play a Bamiang there, he plays a totally different game. The thing is, we're not set up. I've been thinking about this. I mentioned it a minute ago, and I want to say this again. We have managed our side into a position where we have managed five forward-thinking players in Pepe, Willian, Lacazette and Ketia and Aubameyang out of form. All of them are in bad form. Well, I don't fit. Now, I don't necessarily think Pepe is in bad form, but Mikel Arteta does because he refuses to start him in Premier League games. So, arguably, his form in the Europa League warrants to be played in. Like he warrants being the first name in the front line, really, because he's the only person who's going into games and getting goals or assists out of those five players named. Now, this this is actually quite a point, Bob, because. Aubameyang has to be played in the nine now. He has to be given his chance there. But you've got to play a completely different style of football. But also, since he was bought in January 18, he has never, ever had a bad patch at Arsenal. He has never had a period where his form has been out of sync. No, until now. And that is that that is down to management, in my opinion. Absolutely down I, to management. I can't agree more. You know, you can you can slate the board for not putting their hands in their pockets and not doing this and seeming No, but negative. then you come back to the fucking point about you don't register Meza Ozil, right? And we'll go through stats later because I know you've got some phenomenal stats you've been working on. The have got past. some quite scary stats. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to fucking reopen Ozil gate, but... He is a player of the creative mindset and you've opted to deregister him. So um, you've got Willock getting um, into goal-scoring positions and also creating in Europa games. He's not made the last two Premier League squads. I, there's a rumour he has a, a knock, but I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, you've opted for El Nenny in the last two games from the start, albeit Sabayos has started to show a tiny bit of form that he's passing the ball in the right direction, albeit I still think... His technical ability is not of the level required. There was something about Sabias at the weekend, and I know I mentioned it to you. I felt that when he came on, he tried very, very hard. Yeah. And he was almost trying to get in every single part of the pitch to get the ball. You know, sort of like when you're playing school football and one of the better players on the team runs up to you, tackles you, and then dribbles away with the ball. I thought there was an element of him narrowing space. Sabias reminds me of an unmatured Aaron Ramsey. Yes. Like he had a period in between his first injury and when he left Arsenal where he just he had abundance of energy but he just he had so many touches of the ball he, he just kind of overconfused himself. But Aaron Ramsey left Arsenal an extremely accomplished footballer scoring fucking flicks, hicks, kicks and making all sorts of um Magic well, happened. Fleckling and triple yeah. Salco and he was like he was on strictly every yeah, week. Yeah, he was a fine player. You beautifully. I do. But no Back to this, I, I'm, and it's this inability of Arteta, and I'm saying inability, whether that it's is stubbornness. It, is, 
There is an aura of having a hybrid of being incompetent over extremely stubborn. He is tinker, and this is I mentioned this when we were talking about Mulder. He is trying, in my opinion, to be overly clever tactically. Instead of setting up and creating an identity for Arsenal Football Club, an attack like Wenger had an identity that we played. We play free-flowing, attacking football. We will score more goals than you. We have a strong-minded spine in that invincible team, and those Wenger players were strong. Pele, uh, a footballer, a football pundit, described the Arsenal team as they're all as fast as Michael Johnson. They're all as big and strong as Evander Holyfield, and they're as skillful as Pele. <laughs> you know, and that's the team that he bred this type of player. And we had an identity about a style of football that we played. And yes, in his latter years, potentially certain teams <clears throat> knew how to set up against that. But now we have got no identity. The best football we're playing is on the Friday, on the, on the Thursday evenings, when we're, if you will, we're just turning up and playing. Mm. And at the weekend, there is almost like they've had all of the enjoyment sucked out of them by chalkboards and whiteboards, tactical this, tactical that, tactical this. They just look like they're turning up week in, week out with a too complex game plan, thinking about how to beat the opposition rather than how best we can be. It's not about how good Arsenal Football Club can be this. It's about how can we beat the team across the way. But, but what has happened in the seven days since you've played Man United, seven days earlier... You've had a convincing win midweek where you've used fringe players and young players and some first-team players to just instill another element of confidence over and above the result you just had. You're arguably building more momentum than less. And then going into a game on Sunday against a side actually who can go above you if they win because it's a game in hand and play like that continuously and not even have a second gear, not get off of that stationary position where after a minute, the opposition had a goal chalked off, and then to continue to play in a way where you just have got nothing, no response, no fluidity, no quality, no press. You know, and I said on the podcast last week, he is a player absolutely 100% that Arsenal should look at in Jack Grealish. He's the ideal number eight. You know, he's a flair player. You you said he's homegrown. He moves in transition very well. He he defends well. He knows the league. He draws the tackle. He he was everything really everyone expected Jack Wilshere to be, right? You know? Jack Grealish was fantastic. But we 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 fucking sugarcoated him. He is the most fouled player in the Premier League, and we didn't fucking give him a glove. We did not fucking tickle the prick, yeah? That's one of the things we did. We gave them far too much space. And I found that Villa were running at us continuously. It was almost like they'd seen what Leicester had done in the back half of that game against us two weeks prior. And they've replicated that from the start. Now, their front four were pressurising our defence, not allowing us to move the ball at the fence. Now, that's schoolboy. And the fact that that was... That was easily telegraphed beginning of the game. If Arteta's so much of a uh, tactical mastermind, he can change that. He can change why, that. Why, why are we sticking with the five at the back, home to Aston Villa, with the utmost respect to them as well? Because they've put seven on Liverpool this season and they don't struggle scoring goals. But, 
you know, why why the fuck are we going five at the back against them? You keep tinkering with Tierney's position. Bellerin, again, fucking useless. In a five, he is atrocious. Rob Holding has been spun all day. He's like a fucking pinball machine. Yeah, he Rick. was pushing far too much forward. And Bellerin was... was just like, tuck in, just double up. Like, just, just take Grealish out of the game. That stat you've just said as fucking baffled me. Ollie Watkins has had seven times the touches of the football than Lacazette. That is mesmerising. I mean, this was interesting. If you look at this second goal, which killed the game off, I saw this watching the breakdown, and a phrase that Adrian Clark used absolutely sent me silly. And this phrase was, and I quote, at 1-0, Arsenal always had a chance of stealing something. It is a home game versus Aston Villa, a side, barring a VAR and goal line technology error, would have been relegated last season. Yeah. Relegated. They finished, what, 17th position last season or something like that. Yet, Arsenal at 1-0 down could steal something from the game. That is the situation we're into. But his point was that with that second goal, the corner's come out from the defence. We've cleared the corner. But Bellerin is stranded centrally. So when their cross come in, defending against Barkley at the back post was the tallest player on the pitch. Eddie Nketiah. So not only are we sending our centre-forwards in to the box at the one end of the pitch, here you go, here's a high ball in. Oh, guess what? Martinez, if we didn't learn anything about when he was good for us last season, is he comes through the defence and claims everything. Mm -hmm. He is big, he's tall, he's got hands that have got glue in them. And he, will... he does. He does catch a lot. Emmy. Emmy. To, to his credit, and I, I've got no issue with us siding with Leno over Emmy. But uh, to his credit, he catches a lot. Emmy. But he has learnt that. I'm adamant. He has learnt this in his ten-year tenure at Arsenal. He has learnt. I am integral to the transition of counter attacks if I have the opportunity to do so. And that third goal, not the second one, was a Martinez claim. Caught Arsenal just jogging around because there was no one who came off that pitch sweating. And he's, he's, he's had a good claim, taken a step, and then subsequently thrown the ball like skimming against water, rolled it 40 yards. Grealish has, has got on us and just slipped it in and it's a finish from Watkins and it's 3-0. In, in a fucking heartbeat, that goal must have taken six seconds. The distribution from front to back or back to front oh. was rapid. We have not had a chance on goal this entire season because there's more... The quickest goal I can remember from a transition was the build-up to Aubameyang's goal against Fulham with the crossfield ball from Willian. But there was still a significant amount more build-up than that. We have not played front to back in... In five or six seconds once this year. No, we haven't. We haven't. And it's that we're not getting combination passes up front. We're just not moving the ball. We're not playing an Arsenal style of football. The, the football that we were brought up on, watching Arsenal as teenage lads, enjoying Wenger, enjoying the way... You know, this is probably... I'm going to... Yeah, this is probably one of the worst periods for our football club for a good 20 to 30 years. You yeah. know, 25, 95 season, you know, when we when Graham got sacked and yeah. everything like that, when we had a really bad... You know, we did not look good. Pay-per-view, that match, it was the last match on pay-per-view, thank God for that, <laughs> 
1495 you could pay for that game. Cheers. They're not enjoyable to watch. I didn't like it. I don't like it. Arsenal were attacking awful, defending awful. You know, it was substandard in every position. I tweeted that. It was sub standard. Mm. I mean, I think you said to me that you thought Party was probably the best player on the pitch whilst he was there. Um, he was. But I, I didn't he didn't do anything for me. Even even he didn't inject that High press, hard press. He's, he's now not going to the internationals. I think. He... Yeah, he's injured. You know, they're going to have a scan. They're not. We're not quite sure what it is. You know, they seem to be quite calm about it. If you read the, the tabloids or whatever, so whether it's tactile that he's not going. Yeah, you not, know, because but... they have to travel a bit, don't they? And obviously, you know, if you're thinking about COVID and all of that, uh, no disrespect to those people, you're probably not working and being in an environment that is so COVID secure as if you were. In a, in a different style of international game. Yeah, so I, I just want to elaborate. that There wasn't a single player on that pitch, in my opinion, that can walk off and earn a wage. You know, I, I thought that the players have let Arteta down, no doubt. You know, Bellerin has been substandard this year. Suspect again. And you said it on No Tricks, No Treat after the Leicester game. Uh, you said it about Bellerin. Tony Adams has said it about Bellerin. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. He has had glimpses this season of being half decent. He has massive, massive defensive frailties and he's technically not a phenomenal footballer. I've said, you know, my my interpretation of Bellerin, he's a fine athlete. He's not a fantastic footballer. And the way in which we're building the ball up, we don't need speed demons because Arteta's not playing the game that way. So Cedric is technically a far more astute footballer. I think anyone who watches every single game and watches both of them play, he's significantly more comfortable on the ball. And if you're going to persist on putting crosses into the box, I believe he does better distribution as well. Well, he's, he take he used to take set pieces for for Southampton, but that was another thing. That was another thing that fucked me off. Our game plan was to move down to the fucking byline and cross the ball into the box for our dwarf-like um, centre forwards to then, when we draw a set piece, to play the short set piece. At one point, Arsenal Football Club had got to the point where they had pulled it back at a set piece for our fucking... Scottish left back to try and attempt on goal from 25 yards after you finally thought okay the new strategy now is to play for Giroud who now plays for a fucking club in West London and when we can get Gabriel and Holding up the pitch who are I assume they're probably the best headers of the ball uh, we'll play it short so Tierney can pop one off through a fucking crowd of, of Claret you know I'm going to say Tierney was probably one of our best attacking minded player at the weekend oh and well, he put a fine ball in for Lacazette. I mean, you know, the best chance we had in the game was a header from 10 yards where, you know, if he'd have got it on target, you know, with all due respect, Martinez had it covered. Martinez has got a fine position there and it has to be a phenomenal header from 10 yards out to yeah. beat a goalkeeper. So, And the other chance, which didn't attribute to a shot on target, was when you had... Gabriel, Gabriel playing the ball to Rob sliding Holding. the ball into the middle to Rob Holding. It was the first time he played, we played the ball along the ground and took a chance. And all of a sudden, it it falls to a player that wears an Arsenal shirt and it falls to our centre-back. Now, again, no disrespect to Rob Holding. Uh, if that falls to a centre-forward, you should hopefully get a goal there. Well, a shot on target. It's all you want. Shots on target. The, the statistics do the rest. Uh, yeah, look, you know, El Nenny's second start in as many weeks, but... 
He's tried to he's tried to get busy, but he can't get on the ball. He, he's he. I feel like he must have been managed differently this week because I feel like and then he's one of them players. If you let the leash off, he will he will just run and bite ankles, and the, there was no intensity in the press. I, I just feel like the front three are just massively fucked off. I would not be shocked, you know, if they all handed their notice in. You know, I think we've got the most expensive front three in the league in retrospect of transfer fees generated for um, said acquisitions. And we have got them doing an almighty amount of just like up and down defending. And I think, I can't remember who, who alluded to it, who cut Lacazette a bit of slack. But someone had just said, no wonder he's gone over. He's not had a kick all game. He's had to sprint 80 yards to get on the end of it because uh, two minutes earlier, he's defending on the edge of his own box. I think when you look at how we pressed from the front against Man United, even so much how we pressed in the first half against Leicester, we were pressing from the front part of the pitch. Against Leicester, we've obviously died off. And that's what's led to them getting involved and scoring a goal. Against Man United, obviously the stakes were high. They wanted to win at Old Trafford and they went and carried on doing that for... 90-odd minutes. Yet against Villa, they haven't started off doing it. It it was almost like the Arsenal football team has been furloughed. (laughs) You know, they've decided to take... You know, they're they're not allowed to work in any way which will make money for the club. Yeah. So they just turned up uh, for what is called as training because obviously you can train on it. Yeah, I just think we were totally bad. I just don't... um... I'm not really sure what it holds. I think it's it must Arteta must think it's the worst time to have an international break. He's going to lose all of those players now to to variable variable different teams across variable different countries. Prey doesn't get a COVID situation with some of his stalwart players, and and come back and have a run of free games, uh, which I'm really quite concerned about. And we have done some. Well, I say we. Well, I'm I mean, taking I, just want, I just want to look at something here. Yeah. That this season against Villa, we've had 13 shots and two on target. Last season against Villa, we had 21 shots. Under Emery. Under Emery, right. six on target. What was the score in that game? We we won 3-2, Aubameyang in a last-minute free kick. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've scored goals in that game. You know, that was against Emery. That was in a... You know, when Arsenal but it's a statistical thing, isn't it? It's like being in a sales job. Make more phone calls, book more interviews, make more placements, you know, if you're a recruiter. Have more shots on goal, create more opportunities, have more shots on target, more goals get scored. It's a numbers game. 100%. And, you and, know... w- and what are the numbers, Bob? Like, you, you've done some analysis this week, yeah? We've got teams coming up. Where, where are Arsenal... At this point in, in the season, like, you know, how many shots on goal have we had? Uh, do you know? What, what have you done? So so we've played eight games. We've had 73 shots, 28 of which are on target, mm-hmm. and eight big chances. They are a chance that doesn't contribute to a goal. Right. We've scored nine, conceded ten. One of our nine goals was, in fact, a penalty. You know, we haven't scored from open play in the Premier League since the Sheffield United game. That's fucking unreal. That's outrageous. You know, and considering we played games at home after that, we've signed players on deadline day with Thomas Partey. We haven't scored. This is not his fault, don't get me wrong. We haven't scored a goal from open play since we spent £45 million on Thomas Partey. (laughs) Well, because he's a defensive midfielder and I told you that he wasn't 
as important as the other player. But, but I hate to say I told you so, but... So, yeah, so 73. So we're averaging 9.1, if you will, shots per game this season. Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to bring to you, which I know you've done some stats, so it's a timely part to mention Arsene Wenger briefly, is a lot of the other kind of self-made pundits like ourselves, as every a fan is in the pub with a beer after a game or the proverbial pub, um, is that some people attributing this loss to be uh, Mr Wenger's fault. Absolute poppycock. Those that say that Arsene Wenger left this team in complete and utter disarray and that is because of that Arsenal are not playing the football they should do now are wrong, in my opinion. I mean, look... They're entitled to their opinion. I'm entitled to mine. I'm going to say they're wrong. Look, you know, he left the club nigh on 800, 900 days ago. He walked away from the football club and had nothing to do with it. There was none of this kind of, is he, isn't he here, like like Alex Ferguson. Ferguson Sir Alex. You know, he he categorically put a divide between... I think players have tried to contact him and he's just just said, I'm not... I'm not communicating, you know. The next person now is is part of the journey. Was it Shankly that when he left Liverpool's manager, still kept turning up to training? <laughs> Which yeah, is fantastic. That is great. You know, <coughs> circa 800, 900 days, under new management, the club has spent nearly 300 million or just over 300 million in transfer fees. The net spend of the football club has gone through the roof in comparison to that of Arsene Wenger's time. And to say that he's... Res- you know, it's fucking ludicrous. Last week was an Arteta masterclass, right? And this week's a fucking Wenger Downer class. It's Yeah, it's, it's absolutely... Are you, I like this word, poppycock, old bean. It's poppycock. <laughs> yeah. So, look, stats me, right? So, just to put that into context, right? We're now, we're now having nine shots on goal, which just seems remarkably low. That's one every 10 minutes. So, yeah, so nine shots on goal, which basically isn't great. We were averaging around about three and a half shots on target Ugh. per game. Now, if you go back to Wenger's day, Wenger's last... Well, what about Emery? Have you got Emery's numbers? Yeah, sure. So Emery's so Emery's only full season Arsenal, he's averaging 12.3 shots okay. on target. So a, sorry, sorry, shots per game. A third. Four and a half shots on target a, a game. A third up on what we've got under Arteta. Yeah, yep. totally. And then Wenger in the, what, what, how many seasons? Oh, Wenger, if you look at the three seasons preceding Emery, yeah. Wenger's looking at the season before, the, thing, the season Wenger left. Yeah. He's averaging five, 15.6 shots per game. <laughs> Which is about then he's got six point two roughly shots on target per game, and and this is an alarming thing. He's I mean, Wenger was in and around two goals per game. His average for Arsenal in the league only. Yeah, Emery's only full season there was what nearly two one point nine two, but we're now down to one point one goals per game. And how how can we attribute this as Wenger's fault? Firstly. When 300 million's been spent, Pepe's been bought, Williams been brought in, Sabayas has been brought in, Martinelli's been brought in, Enketi has been promoted. Uh, so, you know, and he brought Aubameyang, who arguably is, you know, on track to be deemed as an Arsenal legend. The whole fan base begged Aubameyang to re-sign his contract. Indeed. 
Yeah. You know, when have we done such a... High-profile re-signing? Yes. Yeah, nothing like it. You know, the whole fucking video, and I'm proud, and X, Y, and Z. You know, ever since he... And that was during COVID. Imagine if it weren't during COVID. Ever ever since he signed, that video is just starting to look like a a parody, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. Because his Arsenal career has fucking uh, dropped like a nail since... um, you know, for, similar to that of um, Ozil's contract signing. So I'm going to... Now, do you register Aubameyang next year? Yeah, that'll happen. So based on how many goals we've currently scored, yeah. what we're averaging a game, Yeah. I project us back to John King's you've, CNM. You've algorithm to the end of the season. Yeah, we're only going to score 43 goals this season. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so 43 goals, and I also estimate us conceding 48 goals. So that is a goal difference of minus five. That should see us finish in and around 12th position. Mm, a negative goal difference at Arsenal is something I've not experienced before. Uh, I don't believe we've had one since, well, maybe 30, 40 years ago. We really, we really haven't. And maybe 95, I haven't checked 95. But no, I mean, last season we had a, we had a positive difference of eight. Then it was 22, 23, the seasons before that. Wenger had 33 and 29. So Wenger's had some, he's always looking around 30 goals. And it's also our opportunities that we're getting to score that's drastically reduced. You know, Wenger was knocking in 140, 150 goal scoring opportunities a season. What is a goal scoring opportunity? Goals and big chances added together. Combined, right. So you combined your big chances where, where you should score. Yeah. And your goals where you have scored. So your opportunities to score goals are that. We're only looking at 81 this season. It's it's, it's nigh on half, right? But, you know, the reason the fan base wanted to move beyond Wenger is starting to get a bit overclouded, right? Because no doubt Arteta has improved our form against big six opposition. But Arsenal are deemed as, in abbreviated commas, one of the big six. That leaves five teams. It's a 20-team league. So they only actually constitute just un, just over 25% of the teams that you can play. So if you perfect your play in the other 75% and win those games and win them well, you are going to finish in and around the top six, yeah? You're just going to be at the bottom end of it. Then how you play against those teams, right, if you come out on a positive then, well, you're going to be in the top half if you win the majority and don't lose. Well, then you're going to win the league, right? But we are now struggling against teams below us. We ambled past West Ham. We needed a late bit of Pepe genius to beat Sheffield United. We beat Fulham comfortably. Um, They're fucking, you know, they're, they're just not going to stay up this season. And we've been hammered. Like, I mean, we were annihilated by Aston Villa. They had a goal chalked off and they had they should have scored in and around the last well, we couple of minutes. Line. We yeah. cleared off the line. We cle- Ceballos cleared off the line brilliantly. And they had a, they had an opportunity they just couldn't get ahead on it from four yards, which would have just been a, just, just get something on it as a goal. You know, that game could have finished 5-6. Quite simply, it could have done. But in comparison to other teams, you know, where are we at? You know, so so um, you said to me that very uh, intelligently, our next three fixtures, which scare the fuck out of me, are Leeds, Wolves, Spurs, right? Correct. And you have done their data season to date, haven't you? I have indeed. So I mean, we've done some, we've done a few teams here, and we've there's been a few freak results that if you put freak results 
into a, an equation. Yeah. It gives you freak answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're <clears> you know, I mainly look at 7-2 Liverpool. Yeah, 6-1 Spurs uh, United. 6-1 Spurs United. So I've looked at every team that we've yeah. got to play. So Wolves are very interesting. Wolves actually come in. They've had 92 shots this season versus our 73 shots. Oh. But we've had three more on target of them. So a shot, you know, if you're just kicking the ball aimlessly, you're going to have more shots. But you're getting into a position where that can be a viable opportunity. They've also had one less big chance than us. So Wolves and us okay. are probably Parity. in around, yeah. I mean, they've conceded, they've scored eight, conceded nine. We've scored nine, conceded ten. So yeah, and, goal difference wise. And they are a point ahead of us in the league sitting ninth. We're sitting 11th. Yeah. So that point there, that's very interesting. So looking at Wolves, they're, they're pro- I project them to score with their current scenario, only 38 goals. But I also only project them to concede 43. So again, you're looking at a minus five goal difference. Yeah. Virtually identical stats to us. Yeah. Where it gets more interesting, so the is, bet, the bet, if uh, you know, but but you know, stay safe, people. Uh, is is nil nil, Bob, in the upcoming? It's Arsenal a nil. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's it's gonna be an uh, the double O. It's gonna be a board draw. Okay, so that's Wolves Leeds. Now Leeds, Leeds, Leeds are fantastic. You know, currently sitting fifteenth. Played eight games, one hundred and five shots, but, forty-four on target, thirty-one more shots than us in eight games. 44 more on target. So they've actually had 16 more shots on target than us. 12 big chances versus our eight. They've scored 14, but they've conceded 17. So they've got quite a deficit there. And they've played Wolves. They've played Aston Villa. They've played Leicester. Played Liverpool. Played Liverpool, yeah. So they've played they've played good sides as well. You know, Leeds are an interesting one because they're going to score more goals than us. They're going to, they're looking about scoring 67 goals based on current trends, but also based on current trends, they're looking about conceding about 80 goals. So that's not good from Leeds. Yeah. Obviously, this is maths, this is sums, this is looking at what we've done in eight games. You know, you've got but you can see that games. With a Bielsa side, you can see them scoring two in a game, conceding two or three in a game. You can see them scoring three in a game, conceding three in a game. You know, that 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 doesn't feel like that's not impossible. So your algorithm's got merit. But the, the point there is the actual facts there that you've been able to pull in eight games, they've had 30 more attempts on goal than us. Yeah. yeah, so that that's near. That's just under. It's four additional shots a game. No, it is four additional shots a game. It's thirty-two, so it's exactly oh, four right. additional shots a game. So, I which mean, is what, in line with where Emery was averaging, which is an shots per game thirteen point one two five. Arsenal shots per game nine point one two five. If you are uh-huh. gonna be having four more attempts on target, you will score more goals, and that will give Leeds twenty-four more goals this season than Arsenal. Yeah. 66, 67 goals is exactly where Wenger was lowballing it. Wenger's lowest season in his last three was 65. The, the, the biggest issue was that fans were thinking that, look, his record against the big six, you know, we suffered a, a couple of big-ish defeats, yeah? But people think that we've drastically improved defensively under new management post-Wenger. Right, so how many goals did you say that Arteta's going to concede on this current mandate? Let's have a look at that. So Arteta will concede, I'm going to suggest, uh, 48 goals this season. Projecting on what we've done so far. 
which I think is actually a relatively sound sample because we've only lost 1-0 against Man City. We've gone to Old Trafford and won. It's 1.5 1. a game, isn't it? Which is That's right. Uh, whereas yes. Wenger... Right, so our Paul, so Wenger's last season, he conceded 51. That arguably was his worst season in charge because it was a season that the fan base wanted him gone. But he scored 74 goals that season. Yes, he had a positive goal difference of... 23. Yeah, but that was his worst season, which was 63 points. And I just, we're nowhere near getting fucking 63 points. This is an interesting thing. But the and year before, Bob, was 44, which is less than what you're predicting. The year before that, he conceded 36. Now, that year before that was the 2015-2016 season, the year that Leicester won the league. We The year before second. that was 36. So that 2015-16 season is such an interesting one with Arsenal. And it shows something we've talked about week on week about the stats and the chances that Ozil's created and how potentially he was robbed of that assist record. Because on that season, we've only scored 65 goals. Yeah, well, Leicester scored 68 winning the league and Spurs scored 69 finishing third. But let's look at some other numbers. Man City only scored 71. 88 big chances that season we created. 88 chances... Not converted. We hit the woodwork 21 times. Fucking hell. So if you add them two together, that's 150 goal-scoring opportunities, which works out at being four goal-scoring opportunities per game. So that's crystal clear cut chances to score a goal. Yeah. If you take them all, you'll score four goals. At this moment in time, we're only looking at two per game. So if you take all of them... You score two. We said but, it but a this, few weeks... This is in direct conjunction with a player who is not being allowed to play for the football club. Hold on. We said something about this stats a few weeks ago when we looked at players. Yeah. Thierry Henry gave you a goal every 91 minutes. Yeah. So we turned up and oppositions knew that they were virtually 1-0 down if they saw Henry's name on the time on the team sheet. Team sheet. Now, now teams turn up against Arsenal and they virtually know because we're only averaging 1.1 goals a game. Yeah. They know if they score against us... They shouldn't lose. They should not lose. So it's a stark contrast. Thierry Henry in the side, we are starting every game with a goal. Now we're starting every game where our opposition knows if we score, we will win or not lose. And that's absolutely disheartening to have you know even during the worst days of Wenger and I was by no means a Wenger in I was by no means a Wenger out I likened Wenger in his latter years as being the family pet that you've loved and you've cherished and you still want to be healthy and wonderful for you yeah but the time has come they just started to to smell a bit Exactly, you know, not not yeah, a bit like a pajama case, if you will. But yeah, I mean, look, but the stats are are interesting here because they are starting to show some frailties in the management, and this isn't just Arteta, but it is largely his responsibility. He keeps coming out in interviews and saying, "This is on me. This is on me. This is on me." And I I've told you before that I find that this promotion from head coach to manager is another fall from grace where the Cronkies just get to fucking hide behind their shooting it, range. It's a move sideways, not yeah. upwards in any shape, and, way or form. And and this is now a culmination of um, inept players, under-motivated players, poor management, inadequate management, and a non-desire from a board. 
The stats actually may be flawed in the fact that you turn around and you look at the net spend growth post Wenger and you turn around and say, well, actually, the board have backed the management post Wenger because the net spend equivalents are, are, are significantly gone up. You said that under Wenger in his last three seasons, he had an average net spend per window of 15 million and the net spend average now is 40 something. 43. So it's gone 200% up per window, which again shows that the managers are being backed. Now, this for me, this is so important that people understand that this is not about defending Wenger. What it is about is saying that we have allowed ourselves to get into a position where we have been really content. I liken it to Formula One. We are just running on the medium tyres, but the conditions have changed and it's perfect to get the slicks out and start putting some lap times down. And just all of these other corresponding teams are just zipping past us and we're just, we're, we're failing. And But the pit wall are not saying, come in and get the reds on. They're just saying, we just hope and pray that they burn their tyres out and they might need to come in for one more change and there's just a small chance that you can catch them. But it's fucking utter naivety in conditions where everything's going so fast every single team around us are doing big things and moving in the right direction I mean I know you've got Tottenham stats to fucking just icing this vulgar cake in comparison they must be so far ahead of us now it'll be frightening yeah I've I've done Tottenham stats and I've also done one with including the United I've done with not including the United because that's a big Big win. But they've played eight games. They've scored how many goals? So if we're looking at their eight games, they played eight games. They've had 111 shots on target. Uh, sorry, 111 shots, 48 on target. So nearly 40 shots on goal more than we've had in eight games. Yeah. So that's and- five shots a game. But add five to our nine, gives you an average of 14. Yeah. It isn't still in the level that we were used to under old management. And you look at that. So 111 shots, 48 on target. They've had 21 big chances. Fuck. They've also scored 19 goals. So goal scoring opportunities this season <sighs> is, is, um, is five per game. Yeah. Goal five per game. So if they take their chances, they are five yeah, goals. They're going to score nearly two hundred goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Spurs are projected this season based if you include all eight games here, scoring ninety goals, conceding forty three. Yeah. You know, a, a positive goal difference of forty eight. Obviously, that season winning the league. You know, obviously, I think you get a more truer, yeah, a truer sample if you remove that United result. Yeah. They're on average to score seventy one goals. Concede forty three. Yeah, and, and a, a positive goal, a goal, goal difference, difference twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. I think you could see Spurs doing that quite quite comfortably. But then they're conceding forty eight, which is the same as what we're conceding, and everything's being highlighted around. We have done really good things of our defence. Gabriel, don't get it wrong, he's still the shining light of what's been a really really mundane start. He has been a fantastic acquisition, but we're not winning the league by being in a position where we're going to start winning games 1-0 because we're averaging to concede 1.5 goals a game and we're averaging 1.12 a game to be scored. So yeah, the, the statistics are there that we're going to lose more than we win. The only way you... And this, this, you know, you don't need to have a laptop or you don't need to have statistical minds to work out that the only way you win games is to score 
more goals than the opposition. Yeah. That's the bluntest way of putting it. Arsenal Football Club are not setting their side up and they're not playing in a way where it seems that scoring goals is particularly important to them. We've scored six goals in open play in eight games. Six. That, that you know, what we have got a, a player who last year finished one goal shy of the Golden Boot record. The year before that, he won the Golden Boot. And years before that, he was one of the most you know, remarked central central strikers in the Bundesliga with players like Muller and Lewandowski for company. Yeah. I'd be fucking shocked if Aubameyang scores 13 league goals this season. Shocked. I, I'm struggling to see it myself, James. I really, really am. And he's got two in eight <coughs> so far. I think, yeah, two in eight, a penalty and then and, and the fine goal versus Fulham. Like... Two, two in eight for Aubameyang. His record's gone to one in four. When you did the stats in the rant show, he had a goal contribution every 105 minutes. You mean the first rant show? Well, you, well every <laughs> fucking show is going to be a rant now. Uh, th- there must be analysis that's going on in the football club, right? Where's the management? Where's the guile? Where's the expertise? Where's the knowledge behind Arteta to say, Mikel, this isn't working. Steve Round, these other guys that he's brought in, they can't be fucking puppets because he, everyone in that setup has been in management longer than him just because his career is three, four years old. Where where is the expertise turn around and say, mate, we've got to change the way we play, right? There's got to something's got to come down. But you said to me, there's been some news like Edu overrode Mikel. I bought party. I didn't let you have a while. So other people are now picking the team for you as well. You see Tony Adams on Sky Sports News earlier on today saying that the Arsenal Chief Scout was absolutely bowled over and really keen on Jude Bellingham. And then Edu's come along and due to lack, lacking of knowledge in certain areas, you know, completely forgotten about the lad. You know, there's... I this mean, is the lad who now plays for Dortmund? Jude Bellingham, just been, I think it's just been called up to an England side. Fuck. Right, okay. I thought he went from Birmingham to Dortmund. Yeah, he did. Birmingham retired his number. He must have worn that number for 30 seconds and they've retired it. Right. I mean, look, we, we, we need to move off this. These, these stats don't bode well for the rest of the season. I think that we've got an international break coming up. We can go into a little bit more insight. I, I don't want to get stuck on a fucking Wenger and Ozil train, but I feel like I'm just being hubbed into the fact that Ozil's still leaving a stench around Arsenal because they can't grow a pair and terminate his deal. And everybody campaigned so hard to have Wenger leave the club. And we look like statistically every points to, everything points in the direction that we were better under Wenger. And I don't want that to be the case because we were poor under him in the, la- in the latter stages yeah, of his Yeah, we career. never looked like winning the league under Wenger and we looked less, but we always looked like qualifying for Europe. In fact, we did. Well, the last three seasons where he missed European Champions League qualifications, last two, sorry, right? Uh, you know, obviously he missed by seven points, I think, um, in his last season. And that was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's way too big a gap. But... You know, the two seasons prior, you know, he's in what the first, the 15-16. And then the 16-17, he missed it by a solitary point. He's actually missed third place or second place by two points. I think one of the things that we brought up in discussions before here was about Emery's full season and how he lost Champions League football. He gave Champions League football away. I, that was a complete. He, he took one point implosion. from his last. He took one point from his last twelve. Emery, he, one draw, three losses in a row. 
any... And then not to mention the performance in the Europa League final. Okay, Baku was embarrassing. I didn't feel uh, in a game like I did Sunday since the final at Baku. That's exactly how I felt. It is... It's uh, not where you're going to start throwing bottles around and kicking the cat. I heard someone liken the embarrassment, <clears throat> who, who was a Wenger campaigner, you know, he's a, he's a fucking imbecile, but someone likened the game against Aston Villa to that of like how embarrassing it was to lose 5-1 to Bayern Munich, which is just child's play. You know, Bayern, Munich not, the, it? Bayern Munich are the finest side in Europe, you know, and then were still one of. Right, you know, yes, we, we were completely schooled by Bayern Munich, but, you know, with the utmost respect to Aston Villa, who had a fine start to their season, Dean Smith would instantly pitch a tent in his pants if someone put fucking Aston Villa on the same shelf as Bayern Munich. But, you know, that, that is exactly why it's just important to just show the actual data, to, to, to just show that something's still falling from grace at Arsenal and it's not giving. The trend is a downward trend in Every aspect. Goal difference, goals conceded, goals scored. All of them across. And, you know, it's really interesting that you can say that, oh, we're tightening up the fence. Wenger had a leaky defence. Wenger had this. Wenger had this. Yeah, but the reason why Wenger, if you look at it, you could say had a leaky defence. But the reason why his numbers will not show up as that, as badly as what maybe Arteta's will do, is because he scored more goals. And it's very difficult for an opposition to score against you if you are scoring against them. We conceded a lot of goals in those games because we used to get so stressed out that we were so open because we were being countered because we'd committed so many players. And we have bridged that gap. But we've bridged that gap now to concede something in line with similar amounts of goals than we used to, but to eradicate 35 to 50% of our chance creation. So... Where you're stabilising goals conceded, probably more so now like in, in line with what we were conceding under Wenger, but Wenger would have two or three heavy defeats in a season, right? And they would find some solidarity for, you know, for the remaining games. But he would consistently score more goals, whereby Arteta is kind of going to be very consistent in conceding 1.5 goals a game but he now needs to get the goal scoring and chance creation to the levels that Emery and Wenger had it at. And if we average 1.92 under Emery and 2 point something under Wenger, right, all of a sudden we'll start talking about Arteta in a very, very different manner. But I'm, I'm fucking done with this subject now. I'm, I'm, I just want to bring this up. You know, this is my last pivot to the US presidential election. <sighs> and it's just looking at some stats about Arsenal lacking creativity. Right. We're ranked 15th in the Premier League on scoring goals in nine. We're ranked 15th in the Premier League on shots, 73. We're ranked 14th in the Premier League on expected goals. We're ranked 13th in the Premier League on touches in the opposition box. And we're ranked 13th in the Premier League on passes and crosses into the opposition box. Now, when all of the stats line up like that, Rank 15th, rank 15th, rank 13th, rank 13th. It suggests that's where you're going to be positioned in the league. Well, unless you have an exemplary defence. And I mean, you know, like, we don't have the central defender partner. We don't have a Van Dyke to partner a Gabriel. Tierney looks like a fine left back. We have issues at right back. I'm just not getting off that mantra now. And, and Leno's a fine goalkeeper. He, he's absolutely fine. The, the, the reason that people are using him to be... This season's Xhaka or whatever it may be, it's just 
fucking idiocy. I did say that Arteta, after the match, did turn round to Dean Smith and said, I'm not going to congratulate you for the win because we won this game by a lot. What? It's my Donald Trumpism for the, oh, uh, for for the match there. For sake. <laughs> um, look, we're, we're drawing to a close, Bobby. We have um, any other business. We have got... A happy birthday to Invincible Jens Lehmann. Jens Lehmann's birthday. Now, if he was in the side, I think it'd be a different kind of fish. You know, whether Leno's a better golfer than him. But there is a goalkeeper, probably a better golfer. Did you see, I don't know if you've seen some highlights of the Masters this week. You know, no football this weekend. You get to curl up and watch the Masters. This is my favourite week of the year. Albeit changed. uh, Yes, it is. But my Masters week is the... Pivot in my life. I must admit, I'm a massive Masters golf fan. I'm not really a golf watcher myself. No. But the Masters, going back to when Faldo won it in 96, to last year's Wood Renaissance. Wood's winning it last year was beautiful. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. And uh, I will be glued to the screen Thursday through Sunday. Is that Pornhub again? Yes. um, (laughs) And uh, my tip for the Masters is Bubba Watson. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say... Bryson DeChambeau. Yes, it. Pick the favourite. That's all right. Is he the favourite? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I, you know, I don't. I don't really follow golf. I just they're, was listening to because he really, hits it so far. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. They're saying that Bryson's upsetting the locals because he is taking some very odd lines. So you will uh, those that enjoy golf and are going to watch. You might see Bry- Bry- like fourteen and thirteen just after the corner. Bryson is opting to hit it down the other fairway so he can just heave ho. Uh, because he prefers, he thinks statistically the line in will give him a higher chance of making bird. So, <laughs> but um, let's uh, let's see how it unfolds. One more bit of news. Did you see it? There's, there's a couple of bits of breaking news today. The first thing of breaking news is it's happened. It's happened. A U-turn has happened. And I'm not talking about Boris Johnson or anything like that. Garnosaurus oh. is back at the Emirates. He posted on his social media account today. In the new kit, looking fine. Looks like he's lost a bit of weight in lockdown. He's pulled down some lockdown weight. Now, we don't know who is inside the dinosaur. (laughs) Is it Mesut? It's Mesut. Thanks, Mesut Ozil, back at Arsenal today, dressed as... It wasn't actually confirmed as to whether or not he is covering said salary or not. You would hope not. And, And another thing is, obviously, the FA chairman, Greg Clark's had to resigned today following some very ill-spoken words regarding to footballers from the BAME uh, community. We're not going to repeat what he said because I don't agree with it. But, you know, you can't be the man at the top of the tree and... No, we don't condone that. And uh, It was foolish. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't believe he believes that. Yeah. He has just dropped an old-fashioned word that used to be, many, many years ago, a politically correct way. Right. He's dropped that word. It's not politically correct. In fact, it's verging on slightly offensive. Right. And he's dropped it in and he's had to come out and he's gone there. So... One of the things I would like our fellow listeners, our listeners, to tweet in, who do we think should be the next FA chairman? I'm putting my next FA chairman out there right now. Mm-hmm. I think he should have been it before. I would love him to do it. I think he'd be one of the best people for football in this country if he took over the FA. And Mike Bassett. David Dean. <laughs> David Dean, next FA chairman, it should be. He'd be brilliant for it. I, I, I give... Um, Zero? 
fucks. <laughs> I don't. I, re- I really. I re- I, re- I really care less. Honestly, I, like it, it impacts me in 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 no which way. And um, I think the Premier League are operating as a separate entity to that of the FA. Um, I think that's been shown in retrospect of how um, the clubs have kind of coerced together and pay per view and things like that. Absolutely, I and mean, that fell on its face. But yeah. I just think they marketed it in such the wrong way. Yeah, and, and whether or not they are supporting. Um, feeder clubs and clubs below them in lower leagues I don't know you'd like to think that that, that would be managed uh, in, 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 a, in a better manner so if someone's going to come in and intertwine that and restore football throughout all the leagues within this country so that all clubs that are contributing can play better then, then they'll get my vote so look let's leave it there because I need a piss I'm really fucked off still and, and people will uh no doubt. Give us their comments, thoughts, bits and bobs. Info at jimbobcast.com, at jimbobcast on the Twitter arty. No doubt we will have some fun-filled football facts, tweets, rants, rits, bits, bobs, Liebenitz. Um, Choco Liebenitz. Fine I can't believe Have you actually got a rant of the week? I've got a fucking rant of the week as well. I've had a fucking painful week with butchers this week. I'm, I'm a big supporter of local meateries. Local meateries? I just made that a fine <laughs> word. <laughs> well, and I... lockdown showed me the first time supermarkets, you know, where they were supposed to be the saviours because people were running in grabbing 124 toilet rolls and 48 buckets of bleach. And, you know, so supermarkets have saved us, you know, they've, they've run themselves super efficiently, you know. Thank you so much to Mr. Tesco and Waitrose and Audi and Asda and, and Sainsbury's, you know, albeit they're... Profits must have soared through this year. It must know, have been record-breaking years. If you bought shares in supermarkets and Amazon this year, and you wouldn't have and, less and Netflix money now. and Netflix. Yeah, 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 and um, yeah, Peloton as well. But one thing that really gyrated me was I said to my wife in the first instance, I said, Nicole, these fuckers, right? Uh, very sneakily, the lifespan of products is shrinking rapidly in this period. Look at the stuff we're buying. Like, everything was next day or the day after. You weren't getting a normal lifespan of four to seven days, which is what I think you get from freshish produce from a supermarket. It was like one to two days. And I said, in lockdown, where we're supposed to be locked down, why am I having to go to a supermarket three to four times a week? I mean, people that generally had to work through those periods or key workers, just just don't budget for four four visits to a supermarket a week. Especially now that you're locked down, you've got an additional meal. Normally you'd eat out at lunchtime or, or prepare food or whatever. And then this time around, I'm in my local meatery. I'm not going to name them because I might give them a second chance once I've cooled down. I have bought meat on Friday for four days in advance. I'm in there discussing with the butcher. My assumptions are that because it's coming from the butcher, it skipped the sanitising stage and getting to the um, supermarket. So I'm at a fresh level up the supply chain. A fresher level. So you're at day minus one rather than day zero of this product. So this this week, I want to, um, as you and I both very much enjoy, a pork roast. <laughs> Have we told the story of the pork no, roast? No, we won't yet. It's, it's not the right time. And I've been to the butcher on Friday. I say, um, Mr. Butcher, I fancy a shoulder, bone or boneless. I want to go boneless. And it was a, a very nice looking joint of meat. I cooked this joint of meat, Bob, for Sunday lunch. It was off. I bought this joint on Friday. It, it had a, a distasteful smell to it, which my family refused to eat. 
This thing crackled brilliantly, but it had a distinct colour to it, and it... Well, that's not good. I no, mean, there were stories... And, then there was, and there were fucking pork steaks this evening that were supposed to be had. I'm now dieting, I'm going in the right direction, I'm back into lockdown lose-weight mode, and these pork t- these pork steaks, were, were like they, they were fucking just pink throughout. And I was like, my wife's like, no way. And I was like, okay, so I've now thrown away fucking like 15 quid's worth of meat. I'm fuming. That's, that's that's not really good. And that's the second time this week I've thrown away 15 quid. Ha <laughs> ha Now, there's the story about meat. I mean, last year, I remember there were supermarkets that are actually fresh turkeys that were actually coming out rancid for Christmas. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you've you got to, in today's day and age or any day and age, have, have good quality meat produce. And any local meatery now should be really... Tightening their britches because yeah. it is coming up to Christmas. But that was my rant of the week. I think it's been a rant all, all throughout. We've we've had some stats that have come from your fair hand. Thank you for that for for knocking those up. That they're, they're alarming at best. And we, we've gone on for an hour and twenty minutes. So I think I will call it a due and uh, look forward. For it's been lovely six. speaking to you. Speak to you all soon at Jim Bob Carr. See you guys. Bye bye.